It's also my privilege to just join in now with this new series of teaching. We actually looked at Mark last year, first part. Now we're in the second part, entitled A Journey to the Cross. And uh, I, I just wanted to make this comment. You know, as, as Jesus' life and ministry comes now to a place where the cross is really going to define everything that's happened before it. As we come towards the cross in these last chapters of Mark, there seems to be a renewed urgency, a, a, a kind of renewed sense of intensity. It's like the cross was never in doubt, but it's on the horizon. It's like Jesus, it says, he set his face as flint to go to Jerusalem. You'll never understand Jesus and you'll never understand his teaching and his miracles unless you understand it was always overshadowed by the cross. The cross is central. The cross defines everything. It's why Jesus lived. He's the only person who's ever lived with the purpose of dying. And so the cross defines his life. It defines everything he said. Um, it kind of overshadows. If you look at John's gospel, you get to chapter 12, and from chapter 12 to 21, half the book it's just all about the last week before Jesus dies. In these next weeks, we're going to be looking at that aspect of the cross. The teaching becomes more urgent. It's more about the end times. It's, it's about a temple that's going to be destroyed. It's, it's in John, two chapters given over to, I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming. It's like everything moves up a gear. Jesus is now coming towards the cross We'll be celebrating that as we come to Easter and the resurrection in the weeks to come up. It's important to understand that this defines who Jesus is. It defines who we are. Everything about it is vital. We're going to read this morning from Mark chapter 12. And here we see Jesus saying, this is what's of the greatest importance. So let's read together from Mark 12 and verse 28. You come behind me. And one of the scribes came up and heard Jesus, and heard them rather, disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater, there's no other commandment greater than these. Now when you're in a meeting and the worship is going and suddenly it changes tack and someone comes forward and challenges us with the word devotion and someone else says a challenge about baptism and someone else says a challenge about this and this and this and this, you can miss the point that the Holy Spirit is actually governing, we don't plan these meetings, governing the, everything that's going on, every contribution, we believe that. So I'm standing there hearing all of this and I'm thinking, this is exactly what I'm going to talk about this morning. So that encourages me, should encourage those that contribute to know they're hearing from God, that God is really wanting to speak to us today. I love being in a church where you don't just sing songs. I love being in a church that's a bit uncomfortable sometimes. I love being in a church where, I mean, you've been challenged already. Why have you come? You know, why have you come? You come into a meeting, sing songs, and then challenge. 
But actually, this is the love and the mercy and the grace of God. That he loves us, but he doesn't want us to stay as we are. He wants us to move forward. He wants to draw us deeper into him. He wants our devotion to him to be absolutely what he longs for us to have. Interesting thing about John, uh, Mark chapter 5, and when I said urgency, it's kind of like a moment. It's kind of like if I could say anything to you now, because I'm about to go. If I could just leave one sentence with you, because I'm going to the cross, it would be this. Some of you, if you look in your Bibles, you've, you've got this phrase, the great commandment. It, it's kind of like there's something really urgent and important and directional about this passage for us all. Actually, what this is, is two different sections of Scripture. In the first part, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. And the love your neighbor bit is from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Those are separate contexts through Scripture. Significantly, Jesus brings them together. It's kind of like you can't have one without the other. If you really do love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, you will end up loving your neighbor as yourself. And if you try to love your neighbor as yourself without loving God first, it'll never work. You just won't be able to do it. You'll run out of capacity. You just won't be able to love people in the way that God wants you to love them. And so we come to this This exhortation of Jesus, whereby he talks about commandment. This commandment I give unto you, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart. This commandment I give to you, you should love people, your neighbor, as yourself. What does it mean, being the great commandment? I think it means simply this. This is of greatest importance. There are many commandments. There are many sayings and promises. There are many things that Jesus said. It's kind of like saying, please, all of those things are the word of God, so they're all equally important. But of the greatest importance is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And of the greatest importance is that you love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of like you ask the question, here's the answer. The word commandment makes some of us a bit nervous. I don't believe that this commandment is a legalistic requirement, a rule set in stone. Because if it was, and you were loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and loving your neighbours yourself, and doing really well, you just feel really smug about the whole thing. Look at me, I'm loving the Lord your God. We had a word this morning about devotion, that's me, I'm there. And I love my neighbor as I love myself. Because if it's a requirement and you're obeying it, then you just feel good about yourself. So it can't be that. Or if it's a commandment, a law, a rule, and you're failing, and you're not really loving the Lord your God, and you're not love, certainly not loving your neighbor as yourself, then of course you're failing. And then you feel condemned. So it cannot be that Jesus is saying a commandment in terms of a rule or regulation. You're not forced to do this. It's a choice. You've heard words this morning. You don't have to respond to them. But it's God's heart saying, come on. Here's the greatest importance. If you're a follower of me, love the Lord your God with all your heart. If you really are a follower of me, don't let your Christianity be about Sunday mornings. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's like the love and mercy of God, this commandment, saying this is the real deal. No one's forcing you to love God or love your neighbor. It's a choice that you and I make. But can I just say, because of the sense of urgency and the fact that this is of the greatest importance, neither is it called the great suggestion. It's kind of like you say, well, great, I don't have to do it. But Jesus isn't just saying this because he hasn't got anything else to say. Here's an interesting thought you might like to consider. And because you're English, I don't want to kind of impose upon you. You might like to go away and think about the possibility that maybe it might be a good thing in an English kind of way to love God with all your heart. It's not a suggestion. It's not an incidental take it or leave it. If you follow Jesus and you are a follower of Jesus, and you hear these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself, surely there's something inside of you that is saying, I really want to do this. I'm not being forced. It's a choice that I have, but out of delight, and out of gratitude, and out of a willing choice, I choose to love the Lord my God with all my heart, and my neighbor as myself. If that's not your response this morning to this commandment, then that would be very weird. To be a follower of Jesus and not even bother to respond to the first thing or the most important thing he says to you would be very... In fact, if I'm really honest, it might suggest you're not really a child of God. Because when God says something to you as a child, there's a response inside of you immediately to your Heavenly Father that is exactly what I want to do and be a part of. Followers long to do the thing that the one we're following says to us. Just before we get into some of the nitty-gritty of this particular passage, let me just say two things. One is this. Jesus never asks us to do something that we can't do. Therefore, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself is 100% possible. I don't think you can do it in your own strength. I don't think you can do it through your own effort. But I think you can do it through him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I believe, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, that the ability to be able to love the Lord, all these things that Jesus says, he doesn't just say it like a carrot dangled before you, and every time you go for it, he just whips it away. If Jesus says, here's a commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor. That's absolutely possible. No excuses. We can do this, not in our own strength, but through him. And the second thing just to say is this. Jesus always sets the example from everything that he says. The thing we love about Jesus is he's not one of these prophets that says something or a religious person that says something and then actually lives completely differently. What he says, he lives. And Jesus not only asked us to do this knowing that we can, but he also sets the example. And he did it through two ways. One, the way he lived. His whole life, life was loving the Lord his God. 
His whole life was not doing what he wanted to do, but doing what the Father. I only do that which I see the Father doing, was a phrase that he used. I'm only here to glorify the Father. His whole life of devotion to God is an example to us in the way that he lived. And then, secondly, he loved his neighbour as himself. He loved all people equally. He's the only man that's ever lived on this planet that's loved every single person equally He loved everybody as he loved himself. So he sets the example by the way that he lived, but he also sets the example through the cross. Now, hopefully, we're going to say more about this in the weeks to come. But those two things come together in the cross. By Jesus going to the cross, he's loving the Lord his God with all his might and all his soul and all his strength. He is loving the Lord his God with everything that he has. He is laying down his life on the cross. And what is he doing? He is satisfying the wrath of a holy God against our sin. God in his holiness needed somebody who could stand in the gap. A sinless man. A lamb that was slain. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you that Jesus' devotion to his father was that he said, I will be this one. And on the cross, the one who had no sin in his life took on sin, became sin, so that the wrath of the Father would be satisfied. What an expression of love that is. He didn't have to do this. It wasn't the Romans that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Jewish leaders that did it. It wasn't the mob. It says in the Bible, Jesus laid down his life. He says, my life is not taken from me by anyone. I lay, I choose to lay it down. And then if the cross is expressing his love for his heavenly father, how much more does the cross represent love your neighbor as yourself? For in the cross, we see Jesus laying down his life for you. So for God, wrath dealt with, for you, sin removed so that you could have access into the throne of God. I don't apologize for this being theological, by the way, on a Sunday morning. It's important that we understand these truths. They're vital. can't start loving the Lord your God and your neighbor if it's just a whim. You need to understand the depth of what's being required and the one who set the example before us. John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And that is what we are, and that's what Jesus has done for us. If only this morning we knew how much God really loves us. We get glimpses. I can kind of give answers, but it's still like an ocean of discovery for all of us here this morning. We have no idea how much God really loves us. And we can never outlove God. We'll never be able to do it. The love of God through the cross, through the example of Jesus is is indescribable. 
And our only response can be to come to verse 30. I don't know if it's going to come back up on the screen or whether you just have to read in your Bibles. But this should be our response. Verse 30 starts with this. You shall love the Lord your God. Do you love God? Strange thing to say to a bunch of Christians. Of course I love God. That's why I'm here. But do you really love him? See, there may be people here this morning who are not yet Christians. And you think, well, how can I possibly love God? Listen, when you get to know God and what he's like and who he is and what he's done, you begin to love him. I don't love God because I've just decided to do that. I am responding to him. So when, when you hear someone talk about the depth of the cross, a response of love comes to him. When you see what he's done in his mercy, when you see what you've received that you didn't deserve, the fact you're even breathing, the fact you're even here this morning, the fact that you have any kind of life, the fact that there's forgiveness, the fact that, that, that this God has looked on you before the foundation of the world, and has chosen you and has loved you. And not only that, then pours out his grace upon you lavishly, which you also don't deserve and you can't earn and you can't buy it and you can't work for it, but he's given it to you anyway. Oh, there's a few people awake. Surely that begins to, you know, love the Lord your God. Of course, I want to love the Lord my God. Why? Because of what he's done. I spent a lot of time on my sabbatical thinking about this. Do I really love him? Do I really take the time to spend reminding myself of the depth of his mercy and love so that I can love him? But this love for God needs to be expressed by more than just words. So here we come to our text. And you shall love the Lord your God with all. Say the word all. All your heart and with all your soul. Don't go too far. And with all your mind and with all your strength. So we love the Lord our God. Yes, we do. And then he says, but in order to really live this kind of life the way that you should, you need to love him this way. You need to love him with all of your heart. And you need to love him with all of your soul and all of your mind and with all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know why, but I just sometimes see this as a prayer. Sometimes you hear people praying it. Oh, we love you with all our heart and all our soul. And another thing is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes it, it, I've often interpreted this as Worship. The only problem is the word worship doesn't come in this text at all. I've often, I've, I've heard people preach sermons on this text in the context of worship. And I get why they do it. I've probably done it myself. And I, and I understand, you know, when you come to worship the Lord, don't just put your hands behind your head or in your pocket. Worship the Lord with all your heart. Worship the Lord with all your soul. Come on, get your soul involved and worship the Lord with all your minds. It's good to have your mind engaged with worship and, and with all your strength, your body, your physical, everything needs to be involved. And you could finish it there, but it just doesn't say that. 
I'm sure worship is an outworking of something deeper. But the deeper thing is this. This is not just talking about a prayer or talking about worship. This is actually talking about you. It's about you, every part of you, all. We said the word, all of you. Loving the Lord your God with all of you. With every part of your being. This is about your life. This is about the entirety of your life. This is about seven days a week and not just Sundays. This is about a life that is worshipping God, every part of my life given over to him. How are you doing? Please think of this this morning before we come to an end in a few moments. Let's kick off with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I think that was the prophetic word that we heard this morning. Devotion. That we should love the Lord our God with the whole of our heart. Surely this means with 100% devotion. I've got the word devotion written down in my notes. An undivided heart is interesting. The heart is a strange thing. It's a bit dodgy. It's kind of got bits of it that aren't quite right. It's motives. It's got shadows in it. And a divided heart means you're not giving all of what you have to God. So this is the mercy of God this morning. This is not a condemnatory word at all. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is, if you want to live life and glorify me, and by the way, love your neighbor as yourself, start here. Would you not this morning devote the entirety of your life to him? That's what it means. I think it means putting God first, don't you? I think it means pleasing him alone. I think it means no longer living for yourself or no longer living for the things around you. I think loving the Lord your God with all your heart means the decisions that you make and the choices you all make are all about him first and you second. I actually think it means I love him more than I love my wife. Even after 40 years. And our love for one another has grown and our devotion for one another has grown. Our pursuit of one another goes on. We discover, I discover things about Liz and my sabbatical I can't even talk to you about. I mean, just things that happen. You think, I know this person, it's 40 years. Love, devotion, commitment, conversation, vows to be kept. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's not a divided heart. Well, it's you and Liz, Lord. You love him more than you love your wife. You love him more than you love your kids. You love him more than the possessions that you have. Anything that takes the place of him. And again, I swear to keep going on this, but because I had time on my sabbatical, I was deeply affected about how much of my life is about me. My motives, the reasons I do things. And a lot of my prayer life is about me. Poor me. Surrounding me. And the challenge is to see the love of the Lord your God with all your heart is not about you. It really is about him. So say, I love God, but. Has it ever occurred to you one of the great tests of love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your devotion are things that he talks about in our lives, like money. I wish he, don't you wish he didn't mention that? It's almost like it's a test case. How can you love the Lord your God with all your heart and worship money and not be generous and not give 
your money to him first. Because surely that will be an outworking of I love the Lord of God with all my heart. Jesus was the one who says, you cannot love two gods at the same time. You cannot love me and money. It's a God. It's a power. So pull it down and love the Lord your God with all your heart. Challenge this morning is that he's loving, he's longing for us to do this. Challenge this morning is not one of condemnation, but of a heavenly father who's saying to us, come on, love me with all your heart. You up for that this morning? I think there's a lot of people here that long to do that. You might feel, well, I uh, hold back a bit, but what would it be like to be in a church where everybody's hearts were full of devotion to God? Secondly, Love the Lord your God with all your soul. The soul is, is a strange thing, isn't it? The soul is your inner you, your personality, your emotions, your feelings, your temperament. It's what makes you who you are. It's the way that you are wired. And the soul, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your personality, everything inside of you. All that you are, this soul within you defines you, defines your feelings, it defines your emotions. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I will remember you. This is why so often we need to speak to our souls. I hope you're someone that speaks often to this inner you and says, says come on, you're downcast, you're low, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're all these things as a result of all these things. Now come on, hope in God. To love the Lord your God with all your soul is to constantly and daily be turning away from looking in and looking up. To just living on your feelings and your emotions and up and down and how I feel today. I'm having a bad day. I'm feeling sorry for myself. These are the moments when you speak to your soul and say, come on, it's time to get up. Psalm 103 verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You're reminding yourself constantly. You're speaking to your soul about who God is, that he is worthy. No matter what I'm going through at the moment, he's still the same. I don't wait for circumstances to change. You see, the soul is very vulnerable. You hear people talk about, she gave her soul away. You can have a soulish relationship with somebody that doesn't have to be physical. It's just some connection that's made. Souls are not to be trusted. <laughs> Souls are up and down. I think something like this. Sometimes we need to speak to ourselves, our souls because... Our understanding is, I will love God as long as. That's not loving the Lord your God with all your soul. Loving the Lord your God with all your soul is saying to your soul, love God full stop. Whether he answers your prayers or not, whether the promises become a reality or not, 
whether you feel better or not, and whether your circumstances don't change, speaking to your soul to love the Lord. If you're getting this, with all your soul, is something we are invited to do by Jesus. He understands how vital this is. Praying as long as my prayers get answered. Worshipping as long as the promises of God come to be a reality. Going for God as long as he changes my circumstances. This is not loving the Lord your God with all your soul. Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Honestly, I think we could read it like this. I will delight myself in the Lord as long as he gives me the desires of my heart. If you give me the desires of my heart, then I'll start to... It doesn't say that, does it? All it says is delight yourself in the Lord. So I speak to my soul, delight myself in the Lord. But there's reasons I shouldn't. The circumstances are really bad. Come on, delight yourself in the Lord. And if he gives you the desires of your heart, that's his faithfulness to you, but we don't do it so that that will happen. Next verse, verse five. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Honestly, I think it's the other way around for a lot of us. It certainly has been for me. If you act, I'll commit. If you act, I'll trust you. But speaking to your soul to worship God is this. I'm committing my way to you, Lord, and I'm trusting you, and it doesn't matter what else happens. You're worthy of my commitment and my trust. These are key issues for the days in which we live when there's so many things going on around us. Sometimes we're perplexed. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. But to love God when what you are hoping for doesn't actually happen, but you stay loving him, is an amazing place to be in. When circumstances don't change. Some of you know that for over two years now, I've suffered with a bad back and kind of bad hips. And I've prayed and... You know, others have prayed and I get Dayo lay hands on me. He's done it a hundred times in the last two. What's the matter with your prayers? Anyway, all, nothing's changed. It's still hard work and I don't know why this and it's all effort and it's difficult. And the pain's real. And on my sabbatical, it was, it was as bad as it's ever been. But what I've had to learn to do, and it's not a duty, it's a delight, is to come every day and say, soul, Come on, give thanks, be joyful in all circumstances. Give thanks, keep praying, keep believing, keep hoping in God. God is faithful. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. See, if you, live, if you just live on your feelings or you're up and down, here's the key. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Here's the next one. I knew we'd run out of time. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. This isn't to do with intellect. I actually spoke to a guy many years ago who said to me, the reason I don't believe in God anymore is because he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind and I intellectually can't accept him anymore so therefore I can't do that so therefore I'm no longer a follower of God. And I just thought, how proud can you be? You know, I, my intellect just, well, your intellect might not be as good as you think it is. It doesn't mean intellect to love the Lord your God with all your mind. It means your thoughts. The Bible talks about a set mind, 
a mind that is fixed on God, his character, his ways and his promises. To love the Lord your God with all your mind is to fill your mind with truth about who he is and what he's done. Sadly, this morning, there are many of us who have anxious minds, cluttered up minds, minds full of lies, minds that are affected by the way that we were brought up by our family. Also, some of us are spending hours filling our minds on social media, etc., with all kinds of stuff, naively thinking it's not shaping us. It is. Hours. Some of us have empty minds. To love the Lord your God with all your mind is when the Bible says things like, think on these things. It's a choice, you see. I'm not going to spend hours thinking of that rubbish, that gossip, all that tittle-tattle stuff that fills everybody's... I'm actually not going to bother with that. I'm going to think on things above. I'm going to fix my mind on God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give my life to him. A mind full of humility. A mind full of the Psalms. A mind that's saturated. Thoughts that are engaged with God. Here's my appeal to you this morning, if this is you. Don't let your, your mind become passive or idle but rather have your mind filled with the word of God and it will transform the way that you think. And of course, the fourth thing is love the Lord your God with all your strength. It's good to know that you've got strength, isn't it? You know, uh, that's implied. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. You think, oh, I feel absolutely exhausted. No, you've got strength. The issue is where does the strength go? So some of us are using our strength, effort, into all kinds of things. We, we use a lot of strength and energy and time and, and exercise a lot of strength into many things. Some of them are inconvenient. Some of them are time-consuming. Some of them are energy-sapping. But we apply our strength to them even if we get exhausted. Why don't we apply our strength instead to loving God? Every time I say I just can't be bothered to live for God or to follow God and then actually have another thought was, but hang on a minute, he's worthy. So I overcome that thought and I begin to worship him. Then it all, makes all the difference. I think this scripture says every breath, every energy level, every fiber of my being, give it all to him. So let's land with this. I'll just mention neighbours. Is he worth it? That's the question. I mean, you're not going to do anything about this word or respond to any of the, the, the meeting's contributions if you don't think he's really worth it. But if the answer to that question is, is he worth it? And the answer is absolutely yes. Then you'll really go for it. And so Jesus lands this passage, which is another whole sermon for someone somewhere else one day, to ensure that loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength doesn't end up as just mysticism. He says loving God will always involve action and that starts with loving people. 
if you love God like this, you will love people. It's the overflow. You cannot love people unless you love God with all your heart and soul and might and strength. If you do, it just simply will not happen. But if you love the Lord your God in the way we described, it'll start to happen naturally. You won't be able to help yourself. It's not about trying to love people. The two go hand in hand. You'll begin to love people. The word neighbour is just weird, isn't it? Do you ever think like that? What do you think of when you hear the word? You think of next door. You think of your neighbours, upstairs, downstairs, whatever you think of them. It doesn't really mean the person next to you in the street in which you live. Some of you are really relieved about this. But actually they're included. It means mankind. Jesus is very clear about this. It means all people. Is it possible to love strangers like I love myself? Well, of course, if you're loving God, it will affect the attitude of your heart. Let me quote to you the famous theologian Liz Holden. (laughs) Said this to me this week. If you love people, all people, whoever they are, you won't judge them. You won't look down on them. You'll see them differently. So I judge people. Always making comments, judging people. What chance do I have to start loving people? Well, here's the very thing. The more I love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and strength and mind, the more the absolute possibility comes that I will stop judging people and begin to love them and overflow with love for them. Jesus goes on, of course, to talk about loving your enemies. <laughs> How can you love your enemies? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You start to love your enemies. For the people listening to this, is they didn't have to think about who their enemies were. They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated them. They hated the Romans because the Romans had invaded their life. They were an occupied nation. They hated the religious leaders who were hypocrites, who put rules on them and didn't obey them themselves. So who is it for us? Anyone that opposes us? Anybody immediately comes into your mind that you can't forgive because of something that they did? We're going to have more and more enemies. You know that in this life. Christians are going to get more and more enemies. That's not we go and look for them or make them. It's just as as people oppose what we are and what we believe, those are the people we need to love. Those are not the people we need to aggressively go for on Twitter. These are people that we need to love. And then, of course, Jesus goes on to say that we should love one another. John 13 Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Maybe Nick and the band would like to come back. I'd like to pray and then hand over. Father, thank you this morning that you've already spoken to us sovereignly in our time of worship. There's a moment of devotion here today. And we don't want to leave here today without taking a step of devotion. Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart? With all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? Let's stand.
Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here today. Will you now take hold of your word? Will you put it very deeply into our hearts? I just feel the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today, That there are many people in this room who are who are not hiding anymore, who are not pretending anymore. There's a massive passion in this room. I can sense it in the spirit of people who are saying, "I don't want to pretend. I, I don't want to hide. I don't want to give the impression that things are what they're not." And I feel undone by these words of Jesus. But I'm flooded with hope. (laughs) Because I'm going to come honestly and say, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart. I want my mind attuned to you, all of it. I want to love you with all my soul. Come on, soul. Every day learn how to rise up again. And I want to love you with every fiber of my being all my strength and I believe that as I do this I'll love people Holy Spirit is touching people all over this room today this is wonderful and he's saying to us come as you are this is the fast they ask for you devotion to me the more devotion you express to me God says more he will begin to use us to glorify his name so Holy Spirit breathe upon us flood us today